Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Let's jump into God's Word today. I get to wrap up the Gospel week three. And as I wrote this message this week, it wasn't new content that I discovered, but it was certainly more impactful for me than I expected. In fact, I was kind of um, overwhelmed, honestly. I, I, I was moved to tears as I recognised the power of the Gospel. I almost had to repent and apologise to God for taking it so lightly and taking it for granted. You know, sometimes we hear the Gospel and, oh yeah, it's Jesus and we're saved and let's move on. Uh, there is so much rich teaching of God's Word. And I was very impacted, even though I've been doing this for a long time, 35 years following Christ. I was almost brought to my knees as I just felt and was overwhelmed with the magnitude, the, the power, the, the impact of this thing called the Gospel. I love the Gospel. I love how simple it is, yet it's very, very complex. I love how it's so plain a child can understand it, yet so deep it takes a lifetime to fully learn. It's free, but it'll cost you everything. It brings life, yet you have to die to yourself. It's, it offers freedom, but you actually become a slave to God. It's easy to accept Christ, yet it is the most intense and hardest thing you do in your, in your life. It's, it's very deep and complex. And as human beings, we can't understand or fathom at all. But God's Word allows us to see glimpses and the Holy Spirit can bring revelation. It can cause us to appreciate and honour our God more than we ever have before. That's my prayer for you and for me today. So what is the Gospel? Well, if I asked 10 different Christians, I'd get 10 different answers. I'm sure the cross would be thrown in there somewhere. Um, you know, maybe uh, the birth of Jesus would be thrown in, you know, sin probably somewhere. But it's a good question to ask, what is the Gospel? And so often we get a bit confused. So often, well, I'm not really sure. I believe this is a foundation of our faith. And it's actually something we continue to unpack and impact us as we follow Christ. So what is the Gospel? Well, Paul, the Apostle, so intelligently and articulately writes there's four aspects to the Gospel, four aspects that he teaches in Romans. I'll share them right now. Number one, God, the Creator. Number two, man, the sinner. Number three, Jesus, the Saviour. Number four, you, the chooser. The Gospel can be summarised into these four aspects. But if you miss one of these four, or don't fully understand the impact of one of those aspects, you can miss the power of the Gospel in your life. And so I'm excited to share how Paul articulates the Gospel in Romans. And I pray, here's my prayer, that God will just like rock your boat today. God will kind of show up and get in your face a little bit. My plan is to teach today and, and to unpack the truth that I believe will really challenge you. And you might be saying things like, oh my gosh, I didn't realise, now I know 
hey, there's something more I have to respond with or understand. So number one, God the Creator. Let's start Romans 1.20. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power, His divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Paul is saying there's a God and it's obvious. He created the heavens and the earth. You can't stare at a sunset. You you can't look at the stars in heaven. You can't look at the far vast oceans and think, hang on, there's gotta be more to life. There's gotta be a God. There's gotta be a higher power. There's gotta be a Creator. And Paul says everyone actually recognises that if they're honest. So why do people refuse to believe in God? If that's the Christ, that creation speaks and cries out to reflect the Creator, why are only a small number called Christians or followers? Paul answers this in the very next verse. He says, yes, they knew God. This is talking about every person. They, they knew God because of creation, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. They, they started making their own religions or, or their own belief system or, or creating their, their own intelligent path. As a result, their mind became dark and confused. Isn't that so true? As people pursue God, they go to their own will and and own desires. They can become dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, instead, they are utter fools. There is a Creator. We're not some random chance of evolution, big bang, bunch of gas. Therefore, we're not autonomous. We are His. We're created by God for God. We came from the dust. He, he breathed life into us. We are nothing. He is everything. We're made by Him. We're owned by Him. We're dependent on Him. We're accountable to Him. There is a Creator. And that's the foundational aspect of the Gospel. In other words, life is not about you. Life is not all about what you want because there is actually a Creator who created you for His purpose. This is a hard one to swallow. This is a bit of a challenge because so often as Christians, we wanna take this God thing and work it out for our benefit. We we wanna be in control. We wanna take the nice things, the salvation, the the freedoms, the, 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 the good stuff, the healings that God has to offer and we kind of wanna mix it up and sort of reshape it to suit us. And, and, and this matters significantly because often Christians go into this mindset, oh, I'll become a Christian if, we all said this probably before we got saved, you know, I'll become a Christian if God, you help me get that date. I prayed that a few times in high school when I was not a Christian. I'll become a Christian if you heal me. I'll become a Christian if, you know, I get this job or promotion. Yet that's kind of twisting the foundational truth that there is a God in heaven, He's the Creator. We are the created. In fact, Paul goes on to explain this in Romans 9.23 when he says, a potter, that's reference to God, makes jars out of clay. Clay is us as humans. Doesn't He have the right to use the same lump of clay 
to make one jar for decoration and another one to throw garbage into. In other words, God can do whatever He wants. He can choose as the Creator to put gifts and talents and direction and destiny in your life based on what He wants, not based on what we want. He uses this analogy, I think it's brilliant, as the potter. You can't hear a piece of clay yelling out, ouch, stop doing that. You know, the clay doesn't, I don't want to be a trash can. You know, I don't want to be a glass. I don't want to be a vase. I want to be... And this is a foundational belief because it stops us comparing to others. It stops us looking to other Christians and saying, I want what they've got. No, 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 accept what God has for you. He's the Creator. In fact, I love the Message Bible cries out and and basically says, who do you think you are that you can question God? This is where the sovereignty of God comes into the Gospel. He is the supreme power, supreme authority. He has the right to do whatever He wants and you don't. It's kind of hard, isn't it? It's kind of a bit uncomfortable as cruel. What if He asked me to do something I don't want to do? Well, He may. He's God. He's the Creator. You're the created. Uh, I use this all the time as the supreme commander in my family with my children. They'll argue, I'll ask them to do something. They'll push back and say no and why. And then simply I, uh, you know, I I say, because I said so. Well, Dad, why do I have to go to bed? Because I said so. Well, well, why do I have to stop playing uh, so much screen time? Because I said so. Why do I have to go to church? Because I said so. Why do I have to, you know, go to have a shower and brush my teeth? Because I said so. I love that. Isn't that good? Because I said so. Come on, parents. We love that. We don't have to explain. We don't have to argue. We don't have to defend. We can just say those words because I said so. It's a little bit like that with God. Because He said so. He's God and we're not. And once you come to that understanding, there is this ease that there is this peace, there is this joy. You're not wrestling and fighting and trying to be something you're not. You're submitting and surrendering that there is a God. And then you recognise everything you have is actually His. Every gift you have, it's His. Everything you do, it's His. Therefore, you're able to mirror and reflect glory back to Him. If you're a great athlete, you give thanks to God. If you can sing, you give thanks to God. If you've got great kids, you give thanks to God. You know, if you've got a great job, you give thanks to God. It's a way we can recognise there's a Creator. I'm created. Without Him, I'm nothing. I cannot even breathe. I cannot last a day without Him. He's everything. I am nothing. There's this posture of humility and teachability that comes. Number one. There is a Creator. I don't know where you're at with that one, with the Gospel. Maybe you've already settled that in your heart. Maybe the Holy Spirit is challenging you today. He is the Creator. Number two, man, the sinner. Now, this is actually a tough one. Uh, if, if, If number one, foundation was hard enough, this kind of goes up another level. This is not popular, even in the Christian world. Romans 5.12 When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death so that death spread to who? To everyone. For everyone's sin. Hang on a minute. I'm not even born yet. Or maybe I have been born. You're telling me I'm a sinner. That's what God's Word says. Is anyone here annoyed at Adam? Come on, show. We're annoyed at Adam. Like, Adam, what were you thinking, you know? You know, we kind of get annoyed at Adam because what he did affected us all. 
It's like those people at Avalon that got COVID and shut down the whole city. You know what I mean? It's like you get annoyed. Or, or when I got four boys, when there's an argument, they all lose everything. You know, if they're fighting, I don't care who's to blame, technology's off. I'm turning off the internet. I'm, I'm, I'm fl- flicking the switch. Uh, not so long ago, we were arguing over the orange juice and some, one of them, my boys poured more in than the other boys. And anyway, I just got, they were fighting. Oh, it just annoys me, right? And so I got so cranky. I just grabbed the orange juice and I just threw it out the window into the back garden and said, no one's having any orange juice. <laughs> And, and, and little Jet, he hadn't even had any. And he said, what about me? You know, oh, sorry, Jet. But anyway, because of what Adam did, we've all been impacted. Here's the truth. It's hard for us to understand, but there's actually freedom in understanding. We don't just do sin. We are sin. We are sin. Now, this isn't popular. Um, but no one wants to be called a sinner. No one wants to embrace that. But the truth is we don't just do sin, we are sin. You know, lying isn't just sinning. It's, it's actually an act of betrayal. There's something deeper. Uh, we, we recently had a bunch of great Christian leaders fall. And my heart breaks for them, their families, honestly, and, and the victims. But what that did is brought me to my knees that rather than judge their behaviour, it caused me to look inside of myself and realise I'm human. I have a flesh nature. I have a sin nature. But by the grace of God, there go I. I'm no better. I'm human. I have this sin nature. I'm a sinner. Now it's hard to embrace It's hard to accept, but it's actually necessary. Because if you don't accept and embrace that you're a sinner, then you won't need a saviour. And so understanding that we're human, that we are failed, flawed, positions us to receive our saviour. Jeremiah 17 verse nine says, the human heart, that's my heart, this is your heart, is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? That's hard to understand, isn't it? No one wants to be called, well, you know, you're, you're, you're deceitful. But if we're honest, there is a sin nature in us. And although Jesus died on the cross and rose again to forgive us of our sins, we still have this flesh nature. And to understand that we are sinners, we don't just do sin, we are sin, allows us to accept the Saviour. The problem is a lot of young adults don't want to accept this. A lot of this new generation, that they want to have this thinking that they can do whatever they want, that there is, it's actually not sin and there's not accountable. The truth is, it's sin. We're sinners. And in that comes this great freedom. Now, you also got to understand the other side. When you do accept Christ, you have gold in you. Jesus Christ lives in you. Yeah, there is goodness in you. There, there is potential in you. God loves you. He's crazy about you. So it's not all bad, but it is coming to the realisation, I just don't do sin, I am sin. Therefore, I need a Saviour. I, I can't do this thing on my own. And I love how even though we're sinners, 
God's crazy about you. God loves you just as you are. Number one, there is a Creator. Number two, man the sinner. Number three, Jesus the Saviour. John 1, 29. Uh, The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is where sort of the bad news becomes the good news where we've just realised in the first two foundational truths of the Gospel, there's a Creator, our life is not our own, we're sinners, okay, what do we do with that? Now comes the answer. But unless we understand those two foundational truths, we can't embrace the third one, which Jesus is our Saviour. Now, every first century Jew would immediately knew what John meant when he said, look, the Lamb of God. You see, this refers to the Jewish festival of the Passover. It reminds all the Jewish people of what happened when they were set free from slavery in Egypt. I love how the Old Testament kind of reflects and is an example of of the New Testament, where after 400 years of slavery, they had an unblemished baby lamb that they painted the blood on the doorpost with with a hyssop tree. And the death angel came past and passed over all of those in that household because the death angel came and actually killed the firstborn uh, human and also the firstborn animal. Yet with that blood, they were covered. They were protected. They were saved. And that's what Jesus is saying. I come to set you free, not from Pharaoh and human slavery, but spiritual slavery where your sins can be forgiven. Jesus was punished for someone else's sin. And that includes you and me, Romans 8.34. For Jesus Christ died for us. Oh, this is good news. This, this should stir us every time we think about Christ. This should be not something we take common or for granted. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your death and resurrection. I pray as a pastor, I never get complacent with this truth, uh, that the Gospel isn't something that I have in the past taken for granted. That Jesus died for us, was raised for life. He is sitting in the place of honour at God's right hand pleading for us. What's amazing to me is Jesus was driven to the cross because of His love for you and for me. While we were yet sinners, His love drove Him to take the ultimate price, to be separated from His Father in heaven, to die a horrific death. He was murdered, He was whipped, He was scourged, He was beaten beyond recognition. His body gave way, yet His love for us endured. He died, He rose again, He defeated sin, He defeated Satan, He took the the gates of hell and and the keys of hell and rose again on the third day to defeat death, to give us forgiveness of sin. The fourth aspect to the Gospel is you, the chooser. You, the chooser. You can have all the three understood and accepted, but unless you make the choice, you can't fulfil the Gospel in your life. Romans 3, 22, we're made right with God by placing our faith in Christ Jesus. 
And this is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. The Gospel becomes real by faith. Not your parents, not the church, not someone else, not not your spouse sitting next to you, not your parents, you. You choose. You choose to accept the Gospel. No one can choose it for you. I love the analogy how I taught my children to swim. Love the water. And early on when they were just little toddlers, maybe just as they could sit up, I'd put them on the edge of the pool. Parents, you've done this. And, and, and they kind of sit there on the edge of the pool and then they kind of lean forward and they just plop into the pool. Somehow, I don't know, they hold their breath. Is this just amazing? I mean, I'm like, yeah, I thought it was just my kid. I thought, man, we're going to be swimming stars. We're just going to, you know, be triathletes. We're going to win the Nippers, you know, under 12 championship. You know, we're, we're going to play. Every kid does this. But you pull them in, they hold their breath. Now, I don't know why, but I just wanted to see kind of how long they could hold their breath for. I don't, don't judge me. It's just that thing. And, and so, you know, you, they'd plop in and you'd bring them straight up. And then they, they'd plop in and you'd just carry them a little bit longer under the water and then bring them up. No, it's just me. Okay, you know, see if I can get the 50 metre and do three laps underwater. I didn't do that. But there was something about this simplicity of a child trusting their dad. They just plopped in. Because if I didn't pick them up, they were done. They were finished. They're babies. They can't swim. That's the image of faith. When we choose to drop our life into the lap of God, we don't understand everything may have fears, but we trust Him wholeheartedly. That's faith. A rock-solid, truth-grounded, promise-founded trust in the risen Jesus to save you from sin. Every other religion in human history rejects this idea that we're justified by faith alone. Every other religion relies on good works, good deeds. Christianity, the Gospel, relies on faith in Christ. We choose. So today as we wrap up the three, sorry, the four aspects of the Gospel, there is a Creator in Heaven. We've got to get that one sorted out. He's God and we're not. Man is a sinner. We don't just do sin, we are sin. That forces us though to realise we need a Saviour and Jesus is that Saviour. But ultimately, we choose. It's our choice. No one can make it for us. And I believe this is something we do on, ongoing, on a daily basis. God, we choose You. We choose to follow You. We choose to surrender to You. We choose to reflect every good thing You've given back to You. We give You honour. When anyone says, good job, we, we give that grace and that gratefulness back to our God. Father, I pray today as we hear the Gospel, Challenge us, Lord, never take it lightly. Challenge us, Lord, to understand the significance of the Gospel. We appreciate it. We're grateful for it. Thank You, Father, for Your Gospel. As the worship band is about to lead us in worship, we're actually going to have communion right now. The reason we have communion is that this is a commandment 
that Christ gave as a regular observance in the church. What's the church? Well, the church is believers gathering together. So as your pastor, I encourage you to take communion regularly. Take it with other believers at coffee, dinner, home, life groups. Because what communion does, it helps us to remember the Gospel. It helps us to remember what Christ did. 1 Corinthians 11.22, The Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is my body for which, for you, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, He took the cup saying, This is the cup, my new covenant in my blood. Do this. Whenever you eat and drink in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Maybe you're at home today and you can grab some fruit juice or take some bread. You can do it later in the day with your family. You can do it with other believers. I encourage you regularly, take communion. It's an observance, an ordinance that God commands us to do because it helps remind us of what the Gospel is, that we're free, that we're forgiven, that we're on our way to heaven. Father, I thank You for Your death and resurrection as we take communion as a church family. We remember Your death. We remember Your resurrection. And we remember Your Gospel. The Gospel that came is for everyone so that no man would perish. Your Gospel changes lives for eternity. Maybe today you don't know Christ. This is where you, the chooser, can make that decision. Maybe at home you're listening and you've never chosen to follow Christ, to make Him Lord by faith. Today's your day. If that's you, I want you to just raise your hand and say, yeah, I wanna know Jesus. I wanna be saved. I wanna be forgiven. I wanna follow Him all the days of my life. This is your decision. It will change everything. Father, I pray for those who would make a decision to follow You that we as a church would support them, encourage them and help them on this journey. We pray in Jesus' Name. Everyone said, Amen.